0: Have you ever wondered if you could impact the growth of your calves before they even hit the ground? In this episode of the Cattlemen U podcast, Elizabeth Bulo with Purina talks to us about fetal programming and the impact it can have on your herd. She discusses what fetal programming is, the history behind the science, and how you can use it to better the health of your herd. We are excited to have Elizabeth join us today on the podcast. Thanks for being
1: here. Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your background and your involvement in the agriculture industry?
1: All right, awesome, yeah. So I grew up in central Missouri, about 20 miles south of Jefferson City, Missouri, on a small cow-calf operation. And that's really where I found my love for everything agriculture. By my love for cows. I found my love for just being outdoors and, and enjoying this business. So I found that love very young and have decided to make it a career. And uh, today, you know, me and my husband, we actually run cattle with my father-in-law and have a little baby girl that we get to uh, enjoy this lifestyle with today. Real briefly on my background, I went to a small ag school in Jefferson City, Missouri and Lincoln University and got my bachelor's in animal science and then continued on with my master's and PhD at the University of Arkansas and did my master's in ruminant nutrition and my PhD in cow-calf parasitology. So kind of a two-pronged approach. I think that they both go hand in hand really well together and Came to Purina almost six years ago and handle sales training, producer events, cover border to border, coast to coast, working with the sales team and producers out in the country. Perfect. I think that
0: sounds like such an interesting career working with both sales reps and producers. Something you talk a lot about that I'm really fascinated is fetal programming. And almost any time I talk to a producer that I have a relationship with, this comes up in conversation and I think it's something that as an industry, we don't talk about enough. Can you give a definition for fetal programming and kind of go into a little bit of background about that and how you got an interest in that?
1: Absolutely. So like yourself, I think fetal programming is a important topic that we should keep in the back of our mind or even at the top of our mind when we think about you know, anything from human nutrition all the way to cattle nutrition, swine nutrition, really any any mammal that's out there uh, should have fetal programming uh, as a focal point. And so again, I, I like to talk about fetal programming with producers, but really what it comes down to is is how mom's nutritional plane is during gestation can have lifelong impacts on that offspring's life. So whether that be good or bad effects, fetal programming can really outline that. So for instance, when we think about fetal programming, it it either turns genes off or on. It doesn't change necessarily the genetic makeup of that individual, but it just turns if a gene is going to be turned on or turned off and how that gene is expressed.
0: One thing I think that helps me when when we talk about fetal programming is oftentimes to envision it in humans. And a lot of genetics, I relate back to humans just because it seems to be a little easier for us to visualize how genes are passed down and and how all this is affected in a family of humans versus in a cattle herd. And so talk to me a little bit about, as a producer, how do we think about fetal programming and what are some ways that we either can improve, not the genetics necessarily, but we can pull some of those traits that we want based on fetal programming. Kind of where's the first place to start?
1: Right. And, and to kind of put a human perspective on this whole fetal programming aspect, the really the first documented case of fetal programming was actually during World War II, where the city of Amsterdam actually was blockaded. So no food resources could come in and no food resources could go out for those people. And about 4.5 million people were impacted and they survived on soup kitchens and, and whatever food could be dropped from the air. And what they determined was, ironically, that this was a three-month period, right, which equals a a trimester. And so during that period, it's called the Dutch Hunger Winter, women were pregnant in different trimesters. So for instance, some women became pregnant during this three-month period, some were in their second trimester, and then The third population of people were in their third trimester. So we could really get some some data that really supports this aspect of fetal programming. And what they noticed was, was that women, depending on when they became pregnant or what stage of pregnancy they were in, their offspring had lifelong implications just by being rationalized to Uh, you know, in some instances, 800 calories a day. And you think about what maybe you had for lunch or for supper, right? Generally speaking, that's probably over 800 calories. And that was their daily allotment. And so babies that were born to moms that were in the first trimester had cardiovascular disease. They had high cholesterol as adults. They were obese as adults just by how mom's nutritional plane was during that three-month period. Moving on to the second trimester, those individuals that were born had glucose intolerance and they had kidney disease just, again, from what their mom's nutrition was during that trimester. And then lastly, those that are in that third trimester group, as adults, those individuals had higher incidences of asthma. And if we think about that from a cattle perspective, you know, 75% of the fetal growth is going to happen in the third trimester, but that's really where the final development of the lungs occurs. And so, you know, I think about these from a human perspective. I don't think that there's any one trimester that's more important. They all are important. Key things happen, you know, in each stage of production or in each stage of gestation, but really this, this Dutch hunger winner was a is a really good indication of of those genes either being turned off or turned on or how that fetal programming aspect hurt or hindered that population of people.
0: That's incredibly fascinating. And I think that oftentimes as cattle producers, it's easy to forget that the moment when we sell the calves, that whatever we did during gestation is going to affect further down the line. So we have the backgrounder, the feedlot, and then the packer. And so something that I'm really passionate about is getting producers to be able to see and understand the whole process and the whole situation, just because I think that every decision we make as a cow calf producer affects the buyer and then affects, you know, how it goes down the line. And so if someone is really interested in fetal programming, where do you recommend that they start? Is there something that they can do within their own cow herd? Is this a conversation they need to have with their nutritionist? Where do they start to gather more information and see what decisions they're currently making that may be affecting things
1: during gestation? Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, you know, typically we don't think about that calf until it hits the ground, right? When that calf hits the ground, we, you know, we want to make sure that it makes it to weaning. We want to make sure that it makes it to finishing all of those things, but really, analyzing what that cow's nutrition program is on a 365 day period is the crucial component. So we want to keep her between a five and a six on a year round basis in terms of body condition score. So a body condition score of five is two to three ribs showing she's angular across her top, no tail head fat, no brisket fat. And that's really the minimum we want to stay at. On the flip side, we want to stay at a body condition score six. That's really where we want to be at when we calve. So that'd be no ribs showing round across her top, some tailhead fat, minimal brisket fat. But that—that's your gauge. That's your indicator of how your nutrition program is working. Is what that cow body condition score is. And if we can stay between those lines, I think um, we'll be doing ourselves and our cow herd a lot of justice. But in terms of Really, where to start? Definitely visit with your local nutritionist. They can provide a lot of intel into local feed resources or local information that that can support that.
0: When we talk about this concept of nutrition and um, body condition score, we know that it's more challenging as we get further along in the gestation to maintain where these cattle were. And so, when we talk primarily about the third trimester. One thing that I found really interesting, and I actually haven't had time to sit down with my vet and dive deeper into it, but he said he can usually tell how well the bulls are going to semen test. I mean, all of the bulls he tests based on how the drought or the feed conditions were when they were born. And he says that there's a big tie between those. And he was just casually carrying on a conversation with me, but it really got me thinking about the nutrition in those cows is affecting things, I mean, for years and generations. So talk a little bit about that third trimester nutrition and how much that affects future reproductive potential and maybe some things that we haven't considered
1: yet. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm going to touch a little bit uh, on all the trimesters actually. And so, you know, we, we get so hung up sometimes, I think about the third trimester because we're always so concerned that if we provide excess nutrition that that cow is going to have difficult calving and all of that. But if we really think about cow productivity and lifelong impacts, that cow is either eating for two or three on a year-round basis if she's a productive cow. She's either lactating and eating for herself. She's either lactating and growing a calf or she's growing a calf depending on where she's at in stage of gestation. But if we think about that first trimester, that very first trimester when that calf is going to be so small, you know, at 30 days, it's going to be three of an inch, but that's when the placenta is developed. That is the pathway of nutrition to and from that calf. And so if we don't properly get that nutrition going, get that placenta developed, we're impacting that as well. But if we think about the second trimester in a little bit more detail, you have muscle tissue development, you have organ growth, your reproductive cells are starting to form. And if we think about that heifer calf, I know you asked about the bulls, but if you think about that heifer calf, she's born with all the reproductive cells she's going to have. And just by shorting mom in that second and third trimester, even in that first trimester, you're negatively impacting that heifer calf's reproductive performance, decreased ovarian reserve, decreased uh, performance from a a lifelong impact. So in regards to bulls, right, bulls are 50% of the equation, right? And if we don't properly develop those reproductive organs early on in life, that's going to impact that bull's productivity, just like what your vet mentioned. You know, again, we think sometimes just about the third trimester and how it's important, but if we go back all the way to day one and work ourselves forward from that perspective, that's when we're going to see that improved performance in in both heifer productivity in their lifetime and then as well as those bulls.
0: When we have a tough year like we've had up here in Montana this year and we have drought, looks like drought throughout the summer, it seems as if Nutrition and feed costs is an area where producers try and cut. And it's just human nature, right? You got to make the ends meet and you got to have your income match your expenses to the best of your ability. And on a year like this, it can be a little challenging. One thing that I don't think we understand or we think about enough is how nutrition is not just, you know, what the forage looks like, what the hay looks like. It's all of the supplements and everything else that we are feeding those animals. So, can you just give a quick overview about? when we talk about any trimester nutrition, kind of all of the components that we're
1: talking about? Absolutely. And so, like you mentioned, there are a lot of components that go into that nutrition program, but, you know, I've heard this numerous times and I've probably said it at some point in my life, but I'm just going to make the cows rough through it, right? I'm just going to rough them through it and it'll be all right on on the back end. But the thing with that comment is, is that the decisions you make today... Decisions you make in your farm or ranch, depending on where you are in the country, you're not going to have those realized for several months, if not years down the road. And so the shortcut you make today could have positive short-term implications, but can have negative long-term implications on your operation. So just keep that in mind. It's easy to cut corners today because it's a decision you have to make today. But have you ever drove around your cow herd and, and thought, Why is the 07s, why are they dropping out? Or why are the 13s not doing as well as the other ones? Think about how they were developed inside their mom and how that nutrition program of that mom uh, was provided. I think that can really put some emphasis on the importance of this. But cows have a requirement for macro and micro elements, protein, energy, minerals. That's broken down into macro and micro trace minerals. And then they also have, you know, vitamin requirements, all of those impact that cow's productivity. And so by shorting mom on protein or energy, making her rough, it, rough through it could drop her body condition score. It could decrease that calf's performance later on. If we think about pulling out mineral, I, I know I've had several conversations with producers about, man, that mineral is too expensive. I need to just pull it out because I can't afford it. But minerals impact every biological function. Every biological function are impacted by minerals. So if you pull out those that are important for reproduction, what did that just do to your repro rates? The rumen microbes have their own requirement for minerals. And so you pull out phosphorus out of the diet. What is that going to do to their ability to digest forages? It's going to go down. And, and so all these things have to play in tandem. There's a reason why there's an NRC in terms of cow requirements. And they're just not made up made up numbers. They really are driven to drive production in those cow herds.
0: Do you consider water and the water source that the kettle have as part of
1: the nutrition um, overall picture? Oh my goodness, I forgot water. Water is probably the most important one, and I forgot it. Um, water does drive intake. Water is crucial to rumen turnover and keeping that rumen in a good environment. So yeah, absolutely, water quality, all of those impact performance. And, and so definitely water is one of those requirements that really has to be kept top of mind.
0: It just got me thinking because in Montana, when we're in a drought like we are and other states are experiencing it too, but it's almost as if you have to check water every single day because it can go from enough to not enough very quickly. And I always wonder what running out of water does for these bred cows and you know, the impact of what it has on that calf long-term. And that's just not something it's talked a lot about. I think people don't like to talk about running out of water, going up and finding the takes empty, but we know it happens, especially on a year like this. I mean, people in the mountains really struggle getting enough water. Is there any research done on that?
1: So yeah, I always use a good rule of thumb of one gallon per hundred weight, is kind of what they're going to need during normal temperatures. Now, when we get out into the summer, that's going to be increased. But, you know, I think more so in terms of water is going to be, if they're not drinking, they're probably not eating. If they're not eating, they're not going to be getting their protein and energy requirements, therefore impacting the calf from that perspective. So water really just controls, you know, intake and, and homeostasis in that cow. That's
0: great information. I got a little sidetracked. We were talking about effects of nutrition during the different trimesters. And one thing I really want to talk about is calf vigor and kind of the health of the calf. Because one thing that I notice again in humans, and sometimes I think it's a little easier to see, is when you have a baby who's born prematurely and we see some of the struggles that that baby potentially goes through, right? Needs some help with oxygen, some other things like that. And As we shorten the gestation on cattle, we are essentially having premature calves that we, of course, don't use that term. We use low birth weight or calving ease. But how important is that nutrition during those trimesters when we look at the health of our calves, calf vigor, and kind of long-term health? I mean, not only, you know, until day of weaning, but carrying on into the
1: feedlot. Yeah. So if you think about women, when they go to their first doctor's appointment, when they find out they're pregnant, what is usually the first thing that the doctor says? You don't need to lose weight and you need to take a prenatal vitamin. Do we think about that from the cattle perspective? Not always. And so um, my doctor, whenever I had my baby girl, he uh, he found out pretty quick that we, we talk about cows, but basis is still the same, right? Like we don't want your cows to lose weight you need to be on a good mineral program, you need to keep them in good shape. But if you think about that third trimester in particular, that's the final development of the lungs. But what's also happening during that third trimester, that last 30 days of gestation is when colostrum is being produced. So if we short mom on groceries, she's gonna produce less colostrum. There's some data out there that will support that, uh, keeping mom in good condition, having her in the right body condition score, that's six she will produce better colostrum, that better colostrum will have more of those immunoglobulins that are important for immunity, but she'll also produce more milk. So not only is she producing more milk, she's producing better milk. But what's really interesting to me is that if she calves in a good body condition score, that calf is going to stand quicker to get that better milk, that better colostrum, which then therefore uh, correlates to improve weaning weights, more calves making it to weaning, just by mom's gestational plane. It's definitely
0: such a good thing to think about. Now, as you know, we get into breeding season for most of my commercial producers, it's a little early, we probably have another month, but a lot of them, the bulls are turned out. And so I think that this is something that we need to be really proactive, we need to be playing offensive. And if we're in this industry for a long time, which most of us are, right, multi-generation families, this nutrition game affects, you know, the next five, ten years of the herd. And so while it might be easy to say, I can save on the little mineral or I don't need to put salt out, um, that makes a big impact on the future
1: productivity of the herd. Oh, absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Uh, Just like you mentioned, right, you're impacting generations, right? The decision you make today is impacting that offspring, that offspring's grandkids and so forth and so on. So, you know, we need to think about this whole thing, this whole fetal programming thing on a year-round basis, right? Keeping her between that five and a six on a year-round basis so that we don't have these huge dips or need to have some some rescuing from a nutrition plan. Because at the end of the day, it's easier and cheaper in the long run to keep up than it is to play catch up. And so again, the decisions you make today to skimp on something, hopefully you don't do that. But the decisions you make today aren't going to be realized, like I said, for for several generations down the road.
0: I completely agree. A lot of our cattleman new listeners are podcast listeners are people and producers who really want to do something different. And a conversation that I've gotten from these producers is, how do I even know where my cows stand on nutrition? I mean, it's it's a little different world, right? We can go to the nutritionist, they can draw some blood. But what is the recommendation for a producer who says, I don't know where to start. I don't know if I'm overfeeding or underfeeding. I don't know if my cows are getting enough macro or micronutrients. Where do you recommend that they start just to really begin and be very intentional about what they're feeding their cattle and making sure that those calves are set up properly when their fetuses for
1: the next few generations? Monitoring cow body conditions score is one of the Best tools we have in our toolbox to really evaluate what that cow condition is. So, is she thin? Is she at a body condition score six? So, really just getting out, looking through the cows. You know, sometimes when we see our cows every day or maybe every other day, we don't notice this high or low dip in body condition score. So, get a piece of paper out, write four, five, six on your paper, seven, what have you, and just go out and tally. What condition score your cows are in? Bring bring a friend, bring somebody that hasn't seen them in a while so that you can take that subjectivity out, that biasness out. But really just being diligent about body condition scoring your cows. You know, I, I mentioned that we want to be in no less than a five at weaning. Weaning is a great opportunity to body condition, score those cows, know what we need to do to get to a body condition, score six prior to calving. Uh, we want to be no less than a five and a half when we turn those bulls out. At my place, we're turning bulls out Memorial Day. So I need my cows in. Only one rib showing, rounder, smoother, across crosser, top, a little bit more tail, head, fat. But being diligent about body condition scoring those cows is one of the best gauges that you can visually see in my mind you know something that I can see it can tell me a lot about what's going on. I
0: completely agree the way I envision cows to make sure that I'm being intentional about looking at body condition score is look at your herd like you look at your neighbors and I say that just because it's human nature to look at you know our neighbor's cows and say oh I notice x y and z and oftentimes We don't do that with our own herd. And so I think your advice to either bring a friend, bring someone that you trust, whether that be your vet, your nutritionist, whatever it looks like, or just change your mindset when you're thinking about your cows to try and find some of those issues. As we wrap this up, what is some advice or things that we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about?
1: Yeah. So I think we've talked about quite a few things here that I think that can resonate, whether you're raising cows or you're got any other mammal out there that you're raising, but really just be conscious of, you know, the decisions that you make today, right? And the implications that they have. So I think we've hit on all the the big points here, but just go out and body conditions for your cows. In my mind, there's nothing better than either riding through the cows or driving your side by side or just however you're going to check your cows occurs at your place. But there's nothing better than just going out and look at your set of cows, right? Be proud of the work that you've done and how it's got you to where you are. But you know, at the end of the day, the genetics that you have today, the genetics you are using today, theoretically should be your best genetic, right? They should be your best genetics in why would we want to have shortcomings in the future just by how we treat moms? So think about that. The genetic decisions you make today, you want those realized, right? You pick those genetics for a reason and you don't want to have negative impacts on them just by making that cow rough it through uh, whatever time period that they're pregnant.
0: This was a great conversation, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. I think it's fascinating. I think we don't talk about nutrition enough. And um, there's so many more implications than I think we even realize. And I'm excited to see where this research and information will be in 10 years. Absolutely. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Kettleman U podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe at kettlemanulive.com slash podcast. So you never miss an episode. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.